Amen. Well, I'm excited. We're going to begin a new two-part series today entitled Forever Family. And we're going to talk about really the significance and the importance of being connected to the family of God. Amen. How many glad there's a spiritual family that we can be connected to? And really, there's a lot of power and truth behind what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to spend a couple weeks really diving into the significance and the importance of being connected to Christ through His body. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 4 and 5 have been, has been a scripture we've actually used over the last few weeks. Uh, but as we were kind of moving forward, this scripture kind of grabbed our heart. Uh, and we want to just share with you again what the Word of God says out of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. It says, Even before He made the world... God loved us, and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance, that's an awesome statement, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God, before he made the world, loved us and chose us to be in Christ, and God decided in advance, listen to that, to adopt us into his own family. God decided before we had ever done anything, before we had earned or disearned anything, before we had any successes or any failures, God decided in advance that he wanted you to be a part of his family. How awesome is that? God wanted you and still wants you today to be a part of his family. Family. And so he sent his son, his son Jesus to adopt us into the family of God so we could be a part of his awesome family. Look at that first point on your outline. So every single person on the planet, everybody that you know needs three things. Number one, we all need God. Amen. Everybody you know needs God because without him we are doomed and, and doomed and separated from God in a place called hell. Without God, there is no hope, there is no joy, there is no peace, and there is no hope of a life. That is to come. Everybody you know needs God. And what's good about that is that God has given us a hope in Christ that we can share that good news with other people. Amen. The scripture says this. It says that God has set eternity in the hearts of people. And I believe that means a lot of things. But one of the things I specifically believe it means, I believe it means that God has put literally a void in the heart of all humanity that can only be filled by an eternal God. There's a longing in the hearts of people to know God. Amen. There's a longing in the hearts of people to know Him. Everybody needs God. Everybody needs the one thing and the only thing that can fill the void, that can satisfy the soul of humanity. And that is a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Everybody needs love, right? We all need the love of God. We all need to be loved unconditionally. There's something powerful about the unconditional love of God. As we talked about in our last series, it gives us and brings us to a place where we can be unshakable, right? When I know I'm loved, my identity and my solidity, my, there's something solid about living in a love that comes from God. And all of a sudden, I have value and I have purpose and I have, I have significance, not because of what I've done, but because I am loved by a holy God who knows me and cares about me. And then last but not least, not only do we need God, not only do we need love, but we all need a family. We need a spiritual family in which we can cultivate and grow and become the person that God has called us to be. When you think about family for just a minute, think about a spiritual family. Because what the, what the body of Christ and what the church does is the church is an awesome thing. And the body of Christ is an amazing thing. Because when you come in to the family of God, guess what happens? The spiritual family helps you know God better. It helps you grow and deepen your understanding and your experience of the love of God. And then it also empowers you to introduce other people and bring them into the family of God. Amen? 
And so all of a sudden, this spiritual family, you see this amazing thing. Everybody needs to know God. Everybody needs love. And everybody needs a family so they can grow and become who they were created to be. And all of a sudden, out of that spiritual family, we know God better. We walk deeper in the love of God. And we introduce other people to the family of the Lord. Amen? It's a powerful thing that literally creates a cycle of life that empowers us to do the very thing God has called us to do. And what's exciting about that is we talked about that void in the heart of every person. Every person you know has a hole in their heart that can only be filled with God. And we know that's true because when you look at the world, the world is constantly trying to fill that void. With more stuff and more stuff and more this and more that and more this and more that. And they run from one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing to another thing. Trying to fill the void that only God can fill. Here's the good news. You've got the answer. See, you've got the very thing that they're looking for. See, I think sometimes when we think about evangelism and making disciples and reaching people that don't know God. We feel like sometimes we're at this great disadvantage that we're trying to give people something they don't want. Let me tell you something. That is absolutely not true. We are actually trying to give people the very thing they desperately want and desperately need. Have they identified it? No. Have they put a name on it? Probably not. Have they clearly understood that what they really need is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Probably not. They haven't understood that. But we know that's what's driving them. And if you look at the world, they're driven. Have you noticed that? The world is driven and driven and driven to bigger houses and bigger cars and more stuff and more fame and more fortune and more likes and more shares and more. And if I just had a little more, I'd probably be happy. I'd probably be satisfied. I'd probably be fulfilled. And here's the good news of the gospel. We have what they're looking for. We have what they're looking for because they need to know God, they need love, and they need to be a part of a spiritual family. And we have the opportunity of introducing them into this awesome thing called life that is in Christ Jesus, the family of God. So what's amazing is that what we need more than anything, God, look, think about this, look at the last part of that statement. In one monumental eternal act, God gave us all three things in Christ. In Christ, we can know God. In Christ, we can experience love. And in Christ, we can be adopted into the family of God and find the very thing that our hearts are longing for. You were not created to live life alone, amen? In the genesis of time when God made Adam, it's interesting that God, the only thing God said was not good. Do you remember that? God made everything on the first day, he said it's good. God made everything on the second day, he said it's good. God made everything on the third day, he said it's good. And when God made Adam, God said it's not good that man should be alone. We need a family, amen? And we're going to see today, we need a spiritual family. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. We know these verses, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. King James says condemn the world. I love both those words. Not to judge us and not to condemn us, but that we might be saved through Jesus Christ. The heart of God is really redemption. God is trying to draw us back to that place of intimacy with him and with other people. Amen? Look at that next point on your outline. God went before us and did the hard part so that when the world rejects us, God will still accept us just the way we are. We must just simply believe that he has invited us and permanently adopted us into a forever family. God went before us and did the hard part. I love that little statement right there because I think it's a beautiful picture of what ha has already happened. I think sometimes we miss this. God has already went before us and did the hard part. Amen? 
John Maxwell said that good leaders take the cookies off the top shelf and they put them on the bottom shelf so everybody can get, get to them, right? That's what God's done. God has taken the gift of life. God has taken the very heart desire of our, our lives and he's brought it down here and made it accessible to everybody so that everybody on planet Earth has access to the goodness of God, the mercy of God, to know God, know love, and find family through him as a result of Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross. He has already done the hard part. The way has been made. The pathway has been paved. And the door has been opened for me and you now to enter into the life that God has for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 15. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And this is my commandment, love each other. And the world hates you. Look what he says in verse 18. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you if... The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so now it hates you. Jesus said, I chose you, you didn't choose me. Right before the foundations of the world, we read it in Ephesians 1, God chose us, God loved us, God adopted us, God decided in advance that through Christ all the world could be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God chose us. And then Jesus makes this amazing statement. He says, and the world hates you because you don't belong to the world. And I want to just make a little statement here. I, I do not dare to try to correct Jesus. How I many know oh, you can never correct Jesus? <laughs> but I want, I want to give you another thought. I want to take it a step forward. I, I think not only does the world hate us because we're Christians. How many of y'all have recognized there's a real hatred in this world toward Christianity? It's the only religion that spurs the hatred of the entire world. But I want you to see something. Not only does the world hate us because we're Christians, <laughs> but the world actually hates its own. Have you ever thought about that? If you're living in the world and you're not a Christian and you're not following Christ and you're just living in the world, you know what the world will do to you? The world will judge you. <laughs> the world will critique you. The world will condemn you. The world will judge you. They will isolate you. They will mock you. They will make fun of you. What's crazy is the world doesn't even know how to love its own. But there is a loving God. Come on, somebody. There is a loving God. There is an acceptance in Christ. And there is something powerful about the spiritual family that we can find something in him that we could never find on our own. Look at that next point. There is nothing like the family of God. Let me just stop there for a second. There is nothing like the family of God. Let, let me just encourage you in something. The family of God is not perfect because we're here, right? The church is not perfect. The body of Christ is not a perfect expression of the glory of God. And, and the reason it's not a perfect expression of the glory of God is because me and you're here, right? We've messed it up. <laughs> the church is not perfect. It's made up of imperfect people who are being perfected by the grace of God and the glory of God. But it is a perfect place for you to become the person God's called you to be. It's the perfect place for you to fall down and get up again. For you to fall down and get up again. It's the perfect place for you to mature in and grow in and become who God has called you to be. There is nothing like the family of God. It is powerful. It's not perfect, but it's powerful. And it is a place where we become who God has called us to be. Look at the rest of that statement. When you're a part of the kingdom of God, it's forever. It's eternal, irreplaceable, and invaluable. It's a beautiful thing, right? The kingdom of God, we said, is eternal. We've been invited into something that is supernatural. 
that has no end. Amen? Look at John chapter 8 with me. I love this scripture. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. And a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family for how long? Forever. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is forever. Have you ever seen a small company that was run by a family business? You ever seen a little family business? And there's all kinds of employees, and then there's the sons and the daughters. Right? And if you're not a son or a daughter, you might think there's a little special privilege being given to the son or the daughter because they're not just an employee, they're a son or a daughter. And guess what? You'd be right. Employees don't last forever, but sons and daughters are forever. Are forever. Look at the next part. So if the son, big S, Jesus, is speaking of himself, sets you free, you are truly free. Let me read something to you the Holy Spirit shared with me, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't mess it up. He said, Keith, he said, as believers, we are not free because we never sin. Think about that. How many of you, since you've been saved, born again, accepted Jesus Christ, have still sinned and come short of the glory of God? Anybody miss it? I'm going to raise both hands. <laughs> We're not free from sin because we've never sinned. Listen to this. We are free... Because he has made us sons and daughters. Think about here. I want you to hear this. The power of adoption. The power of what it means to be adopted into the family of God. Adoption has set us free from the power of sin that separates us from God. We're not free because we never sin. We're free because we've been made sons and daughters of God. We have been adopted into the family of God. And through the power of adoption, God has destroyed the power of sin that separates us from God. How many of you understand the number one criteria of sin is that sin separates? If you don't believe me, just think about the best friendship or relationship that you have and then start sowing discord, start lying, start manipulating, start going behind the back of your best friend. And guess what? It won't be long and that best friend won't be your best friend no more. Because <laughs> sin separates. And we understand that man has been separated from God because of our sin. And actually, if you trace it back, back to Adam's original sin in which all men were born sinners and born separated from God. But we talked about it last week. You remember this? The Bible says that God made Jesus who knew no sin to be made sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we have right standing with God, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And because of the power of adoption... We, have, we now have complete access to the Father. And the power of sin can no longer separate us from God. Because the Bible says this. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, therefore let us come boldly before the throne of grace to find mercy to help us in time of need. Now let me just give you a clue here today. You don't need mercy unless you've screwed up. We need the mercy of God, not when we've conquered the mountain, but when we fell down the valley. And the Bible says, I can come boldly 
before the throne of God's grace to obtain mercy to cover my failures and my mistakes because I have a high priest who has interceded for me and made me in right standing with God and I've been adopted into the family so I have unhindered access to the Father not based on my performance but based on the finished work of Jesus. See, the natural tendency of sin is that sin creates shame and shame separates us and causes us to run from God. You remember when Adam and Eve sinned? What does the Bible say they did? The Bible says they hid from God. Now, as a Christian, when you sin, there is still a shame and there is still a guilt because we know better. But what you got to understand is that shame and guilt is never from God. God is not shaming you and God is not guilting you. The Holy Spirit convicts you. And here's what the Holy Spirit does. Look with me at this next scripture. Galatians 4 verse 5 through 7. God sent him, speaking of Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So God has not only through Jesus made us right with him, adopted us into the family of God, given us free access to the Father, but now he has given us the Holy Spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. And you know what I found out in my life, and I'm sure you can bear witness to this. When I sin and come short of the glory of God, the Holy Spirit convicts me. But he also draws me to run to God. Think about that. Sin without the Spirit creates shame that causes us to hide from God. Sin in the life of the believer creates conviction because of the Holy Spirit because we have been adopted into the family that now draws us to God that says, cry out, Abba, Father. Daddy, God, I need you. I come boldly before the throne of grace. God, I've fallen down. I need your mercy. God, I need your grace. I need your wisdom. And it causes me to run to him instead of run from him. Satan knows that if he can deceive you into following the shame of flesh instead of following the conviction of spirit you'll distance yourself from God when you need him most instead of run to God because only God can redeem and only God can restore and only God can forgive and only God can empower us to come up out of that sin and begin to walk in what he really has for us See, what a beautiful thing. Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because now the Spirit of God on the inside of us, the Spirit of adoption, cries out, Abba, Father. Daddy, God, I need you. What a beautiful thing. And not only do we now have access to the Father, but Colossians there said, the last part that we read, said that not only have we been adopted in the family, we're now heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We now have an inheritance. Not only do we have access to the Father, but I now have access to everything that I need to live the life God has called me to live. So I can come boldly to the throne of grace because I've been adopted into the family of God. Heard a story 
two kids were arguing. One of the kids was, was born into the family. The other kid was adopted into the family, and they were having a little dispute, and they were in a little argument, and, and the one kid looked at the other kid and said, well, mom and dad love me more than you because you're adopted. And the kid that was adopted said, no, mom and dad love me more than you because they had to take you, but they chose me. <laughs> God chose you. You're adopted. He didn't have to take you. He wanted you. And he chose you to be a part of his family. Look at that next point. Sometimes the root of the toughest issues and problems that we face are because of our earthly families or maybe the lack thereof. Right? We live in a fatherless generation. There are so many things right now, uh, so many issues and challenges that we're seeing in our culture today that's the result of fatherless generations. And the reality is, is we're really honest, is that many of the roots, many of the issues, many of the problems that we face as adults can be traced back, right, to the way that we were raised. That's why there's power in the gospel to break every generational curse and every generational sin. Amen? How many know you don't have to repeat the process? You can break the curse and release the blessing of God through the power of Jesus Christ. But the realization is that we understand that. I hope you understand that many of the issues and problems that we face in our lives as adults, as teenagers, as young people, are directly rooted to the environment that we were raised in or the lack of environment that we were given. And that is why it is essential that we are members of God's forever family. And in parentheses, it wasn't God's fault. Let me just share a quick scheme right here. One of the schemes of the enemy is if you grew up in a very dysfunctional home, and let me just clear the air real quick. Uh, I don't know everybody in here very, 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 very well. I know most of you pretty good. I definitely don't know everybody watching online, but let me just give you a clue. You came from a dysfunctional family. <laughs> everybody in here came from a dysfunctional family. There's no such thing as a perfect family. They do not exist until we get to heaven. We all came from dysfunction. And this is what I know to be true. I know that if, if this, one of the schemes of the enemy is that if you grew up in a very dysfunctional family, many of you know Kelly's story, grew up in a, in a very dysfunctional family where there was abuse and physical abuse and sexual abuse. And if you grew up in that kind of home, one of the snares of the enemy is that he wants to try to deceive you into blaming God for your natural family. And, you, and I've seen so many people mad at God because I grew up in this family. Mad at God because why did my dad do this? And why did my mom do this? And why didn't they love me? And why didn't they care about me? And why didn't they support me? And why, didn't they, why weren't they there for me, God? And here's the scheme of the enemy. Satan wants you to blame God for the dysfunction of your natural family instead of accept the gift of God that allows you to come into a spiritual family. So you didn't get to choose your natural family, but you get to choose your spiritual family. You get to choose. Are you going to be a part of the family of God? You didn't get to choose who your birth parents were, but you get to choose. Are you going to be a part of the family of God? And one of the schemes of the enemy is to get us so bound by the pain of yesterday that we blame God for our natural family instead of accepting the gift of God to come into a spiritual family. And the church is essential. It is essential that we are connected to one another let me let me just beat a drum right here that we beat a lot here at liberty church we talk a whole lot about small groups we talk a whole lot about discipleship well you need to be in a grow track you need to be in the men's ministry you need to get in the women's ministry you need to get in a small group you need to be connected we learn in roles but we connect in circles and it's so huge it's so huge why because you need a spiritual family 
You need to know God and you need to experience the love of God, but you need a spiritual family that cultivates those two things in your life and helps you become a reproducing Christian. How many know the purpose of babies is that one day they grow up and we release them? And then they reproduce. Right? One guy told me, me and Kelly, just recently, since we're just starting to have grandbabies, they said, God, grandbabies are the reward that God gives you for not killing your kids. <laughs> we had some pretty good kids most of the time. But you know what? The purpose of parenthood, the purpose of your little family unit, is not to keep your kids forever. How many know that would be dysfunction? It's to mature them and grow them and develop them so they can reproduce a healthy family. The purpose of being a part of the kingdom of God and the spiritual family. God has adopted you into the family so you can bring other people into the family. So we can know God, experience love, and find freedom through the family that God has given us to become the people God has called us to be. And discipleship happens in the context of relationship. We learn in roles. And I think what we do here on Sunday morning is huge and it's important. Because I think this is the training and the equipping that you need to be equipped with the word of God and the truth of scripture. The corporate worship, the atmosphere that happens when we come together and the presence of God moves is dynamic and necessary. But we have to connect relationally beyond this. And you guys have heard me say this. You can go to church with somebody for three years. And never even know their name. I mean, if we were to just embarrass all of us this morning and say, okay, all the people on this side of the room, I want you to name all the people on that side of the room. And all the people on that side of the room, I want you to name all the people on this side of the room. We couldn't do it, guys. You'd be hard-pressed. Most of you can't name the person sitting in front of you or behind you, much less the person on the whole other side of the sanctuary. But you know what happens when you get in a small group? In three weeks, not only will you know their name, You'll know whether they're married or not. You'll know whether they have kids or not. And you'll probably know whether they like certain kinds of food or don't like certain kinds of food. I mean, you'll just get that personal in about three weeks. That's what God's calling us to. Because it's in that environment that we reproduce and duplicate the life of God. It's in that environment where disciples begin to make disciples because I get close enough to somebody to be sharpened and perfected and become. Because we all look holy on Sunday morning in the pew. We don't even have pews. I still say that, praise God. We ain't had pews in years. But anyway, in the roles, but it's when you get in the circle that all of a sudden life begins to happen. You, you guys know this. I, I, last year, I kind of got on this uh, uh, campfire, this fire thing. I've been building fires in my backyard and... A lot. I love it. I'm just having a good time building fires, spending time with Jesus. It's been fun. And one of the things I've learned about building these little campfires is I've learned the quickest way to extinguish the fire is to separate the logs. And it's amazing how quick when you just separate the logs, what was once a raging fire will become cold and dark. One of the greatest schemes of the enemy is to get you separated from the family of God. And it's not that you're no longer a child of God. It's just really easy to lose the fire of God when you're all alone. It's essential, guys. We need the family. Amen?
We need the family. Let me give you one last thought right here on this point, and we're going to move on. Holy Spirit, this morning, just quickened my heart. Actually, yesterday, he said, Keith, he said, one of the reasons that a spiritual family is so important is that God will use our spiritual families to redeem and restore our natural families. God will use our spiritual families to redeem and restore our natural families. Because this is what I know. Kelly, who even grew up in a very abusive home, when she was an adult, she still desired a relationship with her, with her parents. Even with the abuser, she wished that he would have been the kind of guy he should have been. Even though he wasn't. And he never became that kind of guy. And there never was really a good, healthy relationship. Even though there was a process of restoration. There was still something in her that wanted daddy to be daddy. And this is what I know. Maybe there is such a great dysfunction in your natural family. You can't, you can't even have a healthy relationship with the people that are your natural family. Here's the good news of the gospel. When you connect to a spiritual family, God will use your spiritual family to bring redemption and restoration to your natural family. And this church is full of testimony after testimony after testimony of how that when, when one person came to Christ, a dysfunctional family that we couldn't even be in the same room together, all of a, all of a sudden over a matter of maybe weeks, months, or even years became an amazing family that experienced the love of God and restoration and transformation began to happen as God moved and worked in our lives. See, if you really want to see your natural family be redeemed, then you've got to connect intimately to your spiritual family, which becomes the catalyst for redemption and restoration in your natural family. I got a text this week from a guy. He said, Pastor Keith, he said, I don't know if you remember all the times you prayed with me for restoration in my family, but I just want to thank you for the prayers, and I want to just rejoice that prayer works because I got to see a picture of my granddaughter who is two years old. And I've never even seen her face before. And I was able to connect with my daughter and see a picture of my granddaughter for the first time in her life. Sin had divided. Sin had destroyed. Sin had separated that family. But because he connected to a spiritual family, there began a work of redemption, a work of restoration as God began to put the family back together. And that doesn't automatically mean that there's always going to be the kind of good family that we all dream about. But it does mean that salvation and transformation can come to that family. And I saw Kelly share the gospel with the abuser and her family. And weep over him as we prayed for his soul. Because that's the power of a spiritual family. It brings restoration and redemption to your natural family. Let me give you two last thoughts here. Maybe three, I'm sorry. <laughs> most mountaintops, most mountaintops we encounter in life are impossible to climb and conquer by yourself. We need help, we need encouragement, we need godly wisdom to see the victory. And God meets those personal needs through your church family. It's that spiritual family. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says two people are better off than one and they can help each other succeed. Amen. Go back to that last point. Let's talk about that for just a minute, those mountaintops. Most of the mountaintops that we face are impossible to climb, guys. And, and I want to just challenge you with something. I think automatically when we think about there's a mountain in front of us, we automatically think there's a problem in front of us, and that's true. 
Many times the mountain in front of you is a problem that has to be conquered or overcome. And God will use your spiritual family to help you overcome those problems. I cannot tell you how many times in mine and Kelly's life we, we, we were confronted with a mountain that we didn't know how to get around or get over or get through. And God, through the relationships called the spiritual family, called the body of Christ, God brought wisdom and insight and encouragement. And all of a sudden we had the tools that we needed to overcome that mountain and climb that thing for the glory of God. But the Holy Spirit really clicking something more. He said, Keith, he said, mountaintops are not just problems that have to be overcome. He said, many times there are mountains in our lives that are not problems. They're actually opportunities for us to go higher than we've ever gone before. And here's the truth of the gospel. You can't climb that mountain by yourself. You can't do it. You can't climb that mountain by yourself. If you Google some of the great mountain climbers of our time and people that have ascended, you know, some of the highest mountains on the planet, there's usually a little somebody that gets all the glory. But if you do a little reading, you know what you'll find out? He never climbed the mountain alone. It was a team. And there are some things that God wants to do in you, and there are some things that God wants to do through you. Literally, dreams and visions that are in your heart that will never happen by yourself. It won't. I've got a picture in my office of a turtle sitting on the top of a fence post. And the little quote that goes under it is simply this. Anytime you see a turtle sitting on top of a fence post, you know that somebody else put him there. <laughs> he didn't get there by himself. Somebody had to help him. And I love that picture because it's just a good reminder. Hey, you know what? We've got dreams and we've got visions and we've got mountains to climb for the glory of God. But we're never going to do what God has called us to do if we're all alone. We need a spiritual family. Look at that next point. If you feel alone or like you're an outsider looking in, you probably are. And this breaks God's heart. That's the key to that phrase right there. This breaks God's heart. It breaks God's heart because here's the good news. The good news is that Jesus said, come, there is still a place and a seat at the king's table with your name on it. God has prepared and provided a place just for you in his forever family. If you feel alone or on the outside, you're probably right. And this breaks the heart of God. Look at John 14, 1 and 2. Don't let your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Let's go back to that last point. If you feel alone, Jesus said there's room at the table. <laughs> See, one of the things we made a decision years ago that we're always going to do, we're always going to make room for God. We're going to make room for the Spirit of God to work in the hearts and lives of people. And we're going to make room for people. Because <laughs> there's room at the table. Our small group slogan this year is no one belongs here more than you. More than you. This is God's church, but guess what else? It's your church. I hear Brother Curtis so gracefully correct people. People will be talking to us, and they'll say, well, you know, y'all's church. Y'all's church. Curtis will say, oh, it's not our church. It's not our church. It's our church. It's your church. This is your family. And it's a beautiful thing. And there are mountains that God wants you to climb. And there's a place at the table. And if you feel alone and disconnected, you don't have to be. 
I, I, I got a little revelation this week I want to share with you, and we're going to get to our last point. Here, here's the revelation. You can come on, Stephen, if you want to. A lot of times we tend to think of people as in Christ or out of Christ. They're either saved or they're lost, they're going to heaven or they're going to hell, and that's 100% true. But I, but I got an image this week of something that, that's kind of resonated in my heart. He, the Lord said this to me. He said, Keith, you realize that there are people that are in Christ. They've been saved. They've been born again. <laughs> but they're actually pretty far from God. <laughs> they're in Christ, but they're far from God. They've been saved, but life happened. And they believed a lie, or they were wounded, or they were hurt, or they were disappointed. And the enemy somehow got a stronghold, and the enemy somehow got a foothold. And all of a sudden, they found themselves disconnected and isolated and separated and even though they're in Christ, they're saved and they're going to go to heaven. They're far from God. And I just really felt like the Lord said this week, He said, Keith, our goal should be people that are not in Christ to get them in Christ. But the goal is ultimately, let's draw all people near to God. And maybe you're in Christ, but you're far from God. And you realize that, hey, I'm, I'm in, but I'm not near. And I'll need to draw near. And let me just give you a very practical way. One of the ways we draw near to God is we draw near to the people of God. We're the body of Christ. Right? We are the body of Christ. He's the head and we're the body. And if you're going to draw near to the head, you've got to draw near to the body. This is how we embrace Him. Through spiritual family. Look at that last point. See, if you've not taken your rightful seat or your place at the table, what are you waiting for? Don't waste another second of your life doing life alone because your eternal destination is literally depending. I'm going to read this scripture to you. Revelations 3, 5. Jesus is speaking. He says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and his angels. That verse is an interesting verse because Jesus said, if, if you overcome, then you'll be clothed in white and I'll not blot your name out of the book of life. And that verse has been used by many people to say that you can be saved and then you can get lost. You can be born again and you can be unborn again. You can be adopted into the family and you can be kicked out of the family. I personally don't believe what this scripture is saying. And this week I kind of got a revelation as we were studying and thinking about this forever family and about what it means to be adopted. Ephesians 1, do you remember what it said? It said that God chose us and loved us before the foundations of the world. See, I, I believe that at God's table, uh, there's a chair with everybody's name on it. Every person that's ever been born on planet Earth and ever will be born, God, God has a place at the table with your name on it. There's a chair with your name on it. And He's inviting you to come. Come and sit at my table. Come and be a part of my family. But if a person dies, hear me, if a person dies without accepting Christ, I believe it's then at that moment that God blots their name out of the book of life. And let me tell you why. It's not because God rejects them or stops loving them. I want you to hear this. This is huge. God blots their name out of the book of life because He honors them. He honors the decision that they made to reject Jesus and live life and eternity without God. 
there's a place at the table with your name on it. If you die without Christ, your name, I have, I have no doubt, will be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. And God will honor your decision to live without Him temporally and eternally in what the Bible calls a place of hell. But you don't have to go there, amen? With every head bowed, every eye closed, let's just bow our heads. If you're watching online, I want you just to get, get serious before the Lord right now. Just, just close your eyes, just to focus in. And I want to ask you a very significant question. Have you taken your seat at God's table? Have you taken your seat at God's table? There's, your name is written there. Your name is written there. God has created a place for you. But here's, here's the, the key. All you got to do to take your seat at the table is accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's through Christ that we're adopted into the family. It's through Christ that we're forgiven and freed. It's through Christ that we have access to the Father and we become heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. The key to adoption is accepting the gift of God, which is Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I've never done that. I've never accepted Christ. I've never taken my place at the table. I don't know what it means to be a child of God. And I'm tired of being on the outside looking in. I want to come in. I want to take my place today. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day. And today I want to accept him as my Lord and my Savior. I want to take my seat today at the table. If that's you right now, if you're here in person, I want you just to raise your hand. I want to take my seat today. I want to be saved. I want to be a part of God's family. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just a simple act of faith. If you're watching online, just go ahead and hit that little hand emoji or type in there, I'm raising my hand. I want to take my place at God's table. If that's you this morning, this is your moment. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I've, I'm in Christ. I've, I've, I've taken my place at the table, but I've realized that things have happened and I'm far from God. Even though I'm in Christ, I'm really not near Him. And I need to draw near to God today. I need to recommit my life to Christ. I, I realize there's a great distance between me and the Lord and it's not because God's moved it's because I've moved from him but I want to recommit my life to following him maybe that's you this morning if that's you just slip your hand up say I need to recommit my life to Christ if you're watching online just say I'm recommitting today I want to draw near to God his hands are going up this is a great moment I want to draw near to God you can put your hands down so I'm gonna pray two prayers with you today I'm going to pray this first prayer just over those that are recommitting. And then I'm going to lead us in a prayer for those of you that are praying to accept Christ. So let's just bow our heads together. Father, I thank you for every hand that went up today. God, in person and on our online campus, I thank you today that we're drawing near to you. Lord, that we're recommitting to knowing you. God, we're in Christ, but Lord, we're just far from you. So Lord, we, we commit today to draw near. God, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that cries out, Abba, Father, that you're compelling us to come to you. Lord, not hiding in shame, but running with your grace and mercy to enter your presence. We thank you for that today. And right now, if you're praying to accept Christ, I want to ask everybody just to repeat this prayer out loud with me. Let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to take my place 
at the table of God. I receive the spirit of adoption. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. Well, we love you guys. God bless you. Thank you for being here. And let me encourage you, invite somebody, bring somebody with you in person. If you're watching online, bring somebody to get to join you online next week. Let's continue to draw near. And if you're not a part of a small group, if you're not a part of our men's and women's ministry, and if you're not connected to Grow Track, it's not too late to get connected today, right, guys? We love you. Have a blessed day in the Lord, and you are dismissed. And for all you in our Grow Track, we're going to meet at 11 o'clock out in the very first modular. Have a blessed day.